we taking off It's like a rocket We be on the wave cause the music's supersonic And on them darker days the music was my only solace Now they vibing at my shows Loving that they love it Man I hit up wave, yeah that nigga like my brother These beats he cook like crap I tell him send another And yeah we can't go back So my vision clearly forward yeah, I seen the future, love to tribe and death to cowards And really on this road, we gotta take it when it's ours So I sidestep off the traps, got my mind into some power For the war inside my head, for when life turns sweet to sour And now we in the live, niggas asking where we at Taking off, it's like a rocket We be on the wave, cause the music's supersonic And on them darker days, the music was my only solace Now they vibing at my shows Loving that they love it Take off, just like a rocket We be on the wave cause the music's supersonic And on them darker days the music was my only solace Now they vibing at my shows Loving that they love it <clears throat> I recall having no faith in myself No, I couldn't picture all this glow <clears throat> Now I'm just setting the pace for myself and these niggas to see by the floor How to work, how to win, how to do it again And these buck on my coat as a snow So I'm putting in work, they can feed my delivery Got a message for all of my enemies I'm a nigga that know my divinity Got a vision that came through this energy They said we would come up with this energy AZA in the booth is a scary me We get this one chance to be who we are Fuck what they talk about, just reach for your stars Take off, it's like a rocket we be on the wave cause the music's supersonic And on them darker days the music was my only solace Now they vibing at my shows Loving that they love it Take off It's like a rocket We be on the wave cause the music's supersonic And on them darker days the music was my only solace Now they vibing at my shows Loving that they love it Waves This is Michael Vazen Vanasik with the Alternate Fields Podcast. It has been over a month since the last episode uh, with my last guest, Alexander Pade, um, who actually is the one who introduced me to uh, my third guest on this show, uh, AZA, The Messenger. Um, he's an East Coast singer-songwriter, uh, recording artist, musician, and PhD in residency at the Yale Department of Psychiatry, involved with some really interesting research and studies into music mindfulness and the effects of music on our, our brains, our, our bodies, our minds, um, and our overall feelings of, of wellness and all the potentials involved with that. Um, yeah, and, and also that song you heard in the intro, that was a single of AZAs that he released recently, produced by T-Waves, um, his longtime collaborator. And uh, yeah, so go make sure you check that out. I'll make sure to have 
links in, in the descriptions for you to go and follow AZA and all the great things that he's involved with. And his Instagram is at AZA, the messenger, if you want to go check him out. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I met him through Alexander. We did a live stream um, uh, songwriting production session, and we made a really great song, all three of us, that hopefully we will be uh, releasing um, early in 2021, or if not sooner. Um, but anyways, AZA uh, is a really cool, interesting, insightful dude um, with a really cool background as well. And I was just really excited to have a conversation with him, being that we're both interested in very in similar things, music and, and the mind. Um, and yeah, he actually was at the hospital or the medical center on call during this conversation, which was pretty interesting. And I actually was having kind of a rough day, um, mental health day, and almost canceled the show. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't, um, after we had a talk, you know, I felt so much better, um, uh, cause yeah, it was, it was just a joy to talk to him and, uh, for, forewarning, I hope I didn't fumble and lose my train of thought too many times, hopefully not too annoying with some of the things I said as I don't really listen after recording these podcasts, so uh, if that occurred in this one, please forgive me. I'm uh, getting better each time, going with the flow, um, saying what's on my mind, trying not to filter myself too much in these episodes and conversations, but anyways... Uh, Without further ado, my third guest on the Alternate Fields podcast, AZA The Messenger, and this episode is called Music Mindfulness. Enjoy, guys. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to anchor.fm backslash alternate fields and follow me there. Donate support if you like. Also, you can find me in the show at alternate fields on instagram and all social media platforms and also my personal and artist um handle is at vazen 33 so yeah go follow like subscribe you know what it is and uh yeah so uh enjoy the show guys reach out let me know what you think how things are going um Hopefully you gain some insight uh, from from this conversation and more, and uh, uh, perhaps you are a new fan of AZA, as I am. Um, so yeah, I shall mute myself, and let's get into it. Peace. Messenger, um, 
I don't even care that I don't know your real name. What what is your government name? Yeah, man. So the government is Stephen Azariah Alsop. Um, but I pretty much like never go by that anymore. So yeah, I like AZA the messenger anyway, or just AZA. But yeah, anyone who's out there listening, welcome back to the Alternate Fields podcast. Um, it's been a month or so, and last guy I had on was Alexander Pade. And that's actually how I met uh, AZA here. We did a live stream collaboration session um, a few months ago. And, um, you know, we made a great song. I'm almost tempted to do a sneak peek uh, (laughs) in the edit. Uh, I'll have to check with AP on that, get clearance. Um, But, uh, yeah, so we met there, and I just – I loved – what I saw and heard. And so I reached out immediately and um, been trying to pick your brain ever since. And, you know, we finally got on here and uh, I just think, cause the show is called alternate fields. And it's just like, I love, and I'm looking for always just like people like yourself that are like in, into interesting things and involved, you know, in, in creative stuff, but also like some serious, um, sciences and you know mind stuff and anyways yeah, man. uh thanks for coming on i'm glad to, to have you um yeah man thanks for having me glad to to be here and yeah we get to get to talk with you some more yeah and for for just so people know uh you are on call at the hospital right now uh you know <laughs> Take care, take yeah, care of the yeah. world uh be being ready to serve uh when called upon uh that's crazy man what's how does that how does that kind of work so you just kind of chill in your kind of zone in the office and yeah i mean right now you know it's a time of the evening that things are a little bit slower um but um there's work at the emergency room there's consults for those who don't know i'm in new haven connecticut i'm a psych resident at yale um and they're like two big hospitals that we kind of cover. So I'm at one of them now, but I have like some connection to the emergency department and consults at the other hospital. So hopefully, you know, nothing goes on. But, um, you know, this is the life that, you know, I'm trying to live. So I'm, I'm learning now how to try to balance those things and kind of taking it as I go and, you know, making some mistakes and, and learning a- along the way. So Awesome. Um do you have access to like turn down the input a tad tad bit on your end? Yeah, I can turn down that. Just a little bit. But yeah, so AZA is uh as far as I know, because I've you know I've spoken with him briefly and we've made a song together, and that's always an intimate experience. So I feel connected regardless, and I think we're just like minds as well. And but he, as far as I know, is a recording artist, songwriter. You produce a little bit too, right? Yeah, I do production, some mixing, yeah. And you in- instrumentalist, like I saw you playing the piano recently. Um, and yeah, uh, what, so actually, yeah, first things first, kind of describe yourself, like, and then, you know, just to give people kind of a brief, you know, where you're from, brief little bio leading up to now kind of yeah man um so i think the real brief version is that um i was born in 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 the u.s grew up in trinidad uh, so in the caribbean and then came back up and lived in a bunch of places on the east coast settled in the dmv 
um, and then went to North Carolina Central University for college, uh, majored in biology and um, minored in jazz studies and philosophy. And then I did an MD PhD program at Harvard and MIT. And now I'm a psychiatrist, a residency, a resident in psychiatry here at Yale. And, you know, the things that have been really important to me have always been like music, science and spirituality. And those have been like just core themes. My dad was a minister. I grew up playing music in the black church, singing in the black church. So really early on, just had a really rich experience about like the power of music and how it can move people, how it can move emotion. Um, again, my dad's a minister. So spirituality was always sort of a very early concept and something to, to think through. And I was just always really curious about the natural world and like what drives that. So ended up doing my PhD in neuroscience and was doing music pretty much my entire life. Like I said, in college heavy, in med school and in grad school, I was doing music heavy, spent um, like a year and some change at Berkeley College of Music, you know, studying uh, keys. Um, so yeah, I've been just really trying to pursue those three threads um, as far as I can go and kind of try to learn how to balance those things, you know, as I progress. Right, kind of synthesize all of them because, you know, like you said, and I agree, it, it, they all, all those fields kind of intertwine and intersect at varying, you know, degrees and length. Definitely, definitely. Uh, each kind of feeds can feed off the other, especially when, you know, the one behind it is coming at it uh, with that perspective and knowledge. But that's super cool. I didn't know all of that stuff. Um, and I'm always kind of jealous, envious in a positive way of people who kind of got uh, had a lot of access to like music through the church and stuff. Because, um, I mean, shit just knowing gospel chord sequences alone, like, man. There's some, there's definitely some magic there. You know, there's definitely some magic there. I think when you look at the experiences that a lot of that music is born out of, like the tradition that a lot of that music is born out of, is really people tapping into a lot of deep spiritual reserve, you know, to, to, to make this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I think it like, for me, I think definitely has shaped a huge part of, how I approach music, how I think about music, how I feel music. Um, and so I think even once I started doing more formal studies, like in, in high school and college and stuff like that, it was really just adding sort of a conceptual framework to a real lived experience of, of what I already knew music to be. You know? Right. Um, and I'm, the fact that you've gotten like actual formal studies and education in music, um, the playing of it and, and the theory of it, it's, it seems like, it seems like you haven't been, you know, you haven't gotten the like limiting effects and negative kind of things that come from people, you know, you know, how people sometimes say like, oh man, I really wish I didn't get that classical education in music or whatever, because now I'm like always thinking rigidly and statically mm -hmm. when I'm creating. I don't think, it seems like you, uh, just took all that you needed to from it and you you know you're able to navigate more fluently and while staying pretty natural and organic in your approach I would imagine yeah and I think you know in college my focus really was jazz studies um and so you know a lot of that even though you, you are learning like music theory and things like that still at its core it really is about the expression it's about the the sort of intuitive nature um, and, and how do you communicate with people that you're playing with and, and the audience. So I think 
it was helpful, especially also to study like at an HBCU where I think a lot of the spirit and the soul of the music was still there, even within sort of the academic, you know, academic framework. Right, right, right. Yeah. And again, jazz, jazz and gospel kind of backgrounds, I think are like probably the most like for bedrock foundations to like create from to at least have as like a foundation I think is probably the two most powerful and I think that's probably why honestly I felt so connected after that session we had um speaking of like you know you coming from that background uh, of church and music and more of like spiritually inclined kind of uh expressions um without it being super you know watered down wooey whatever but like I don't know I, up until that point like like that was uh, still that was one of my favorite uh wit observances of like someone recording coming up with lines off the top and it being like at the time and it's still that's why i can't wait till that song come out those lyrics and the performance like and the concepts and how you just kind of submitted so much of what i and so many people probably still are seeing and thinking and feeling right now in the world like so i was just like man because i'm looking for artists like yourself i'm looking for sounds words uh deliveries that kind of give me this elevated sense or you know uplifting inspired feeling and you know that goes right to back to that uh kind of not that it's a gospel song that we made at all but <laughs> you know the spirit you can just feel it and like the yeah, truth yeah. the realism and it's just well that's the thing right like you said it's like the truth is the truth. And so whether or not it's in gospel or something else, if you, if it resonates as truth, then, you know, it'll have a certain kind of um, energy and power to it that feels something like gospel, even though it's not, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. What, so what is, what would you say, how would you describe music mindfulness? Let's um how would you describe music mindfulness because that's kind of like a it's like kind of a new seemingly in the new age concept where people are talking more about mental health and like yeah um you know therapeutic arts and stuff like this um which i know from personal experience like like today like i was telling you earlier like i was feeling kind of kind of feeling the funk uh, like not the good funk but like kind of a down more depressed emotional status like i don't know like why am i feeling like this and sometimes i'll just sit in it but a lot of times that's where music really you know i induce therapy on myself through songwriting or just playing guitar working on something (laughs) or just listening to it of course uh but to me yeah so so describe kind of from your perspective in your education um you know the idea of, and concept of music mindfulness yeah i mean it's it's a concept that for me has been really critical because both of the components of them like i really am a diehard proponent proponent of like so music obviously we've talked about my background and that mindfulness is something that i kind of really you know came into um during graduate school um, and, you know, served a really big role in me kind of on the path to self-realization and coming up with um, or discovering really, you know, my true identity. Mindfulness played a big role in that. And I think now there's a lot of evidence, even from like a Western medicine perspective, that both mindfulness and music uh, 
are therapeutic and they do better than sort of the standard of care. My real interest from a research perspective even is like, how do we combine those things to get even better effects? So we know that music is like a preferred stimulus for mindfulness. Often, especially people who are beginning, music can be like a nice way of like providing an alternative stimulus so that they're able to kind of stay within that framework. We know music has this ability to like, for instance, cause like alpha waves um, in, in certain frequency bands on EEG, which you see with relaxation and you can see with mindfulness. So I think this idea of like combining these two really powerful ways of not only self-introspection, but um, really self-therapy, self-help um, is something I'm really interested in. Yeah. Likewise, man. And there's plenty of ancient and now present clinical data mm-hmm. that you know, cultures and peoples of all time, especially in a more shamanistic sense, knew of these technologies, I would call them technologies, um, and the ability to uh, elevate or induce, stimulate uh, heightened experiences, or even, you know, it's proven, I mean, like you're talking about with EEGs, I've seen literal graphic waves of, uh, of entrainment, where like a certain frequency was emitted or transmitted to uh, a brain and they mm-hmm. measured that um and over time with enough repetition the literal the actual brain waves uh, were modified yeah dude and it's you know again i think music is such a powerful stimulus because it operates at the level of vibration and right. like physics tells us everything all is basically at the most fundamental level operates from vibration and so it's like yeah we can hear music and that's certainly one way to perceive it but it also is doing things that we don't just directly hear because it affects everything on the, on a vibrational level. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really powerful. And like you mentioned, all the earliest forms of human healing involve in some way this idea of, of music and this idea of spirituality and, you know, which mindfulness is obviously tied to. And it's only after like really a lot of the more um, like colonized ways of viewing healing that occurred with, uh, you know, colonization, that yeah. music was sort of taken out of this kind of central location and healing and like relegated to like performance art where you like go to like a concert to do it, but isn't like a part of everyday life. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. This idea that like the shaman who is like in, in many ways, the original human healer had music as like a core component of that degree of, you know, all of these ancient, um, tribes. And I think what we're doing now is just rediscovering using our like Western modern way of, of analytics, something that people have already known. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, God, that just made me think of something that I forgot. Oh, and, and in that sense too, like you're saying, you're looking to, you know, in the present day, synthesize all these kind of fields because they're interrelated. I mean, essentially that's what the shaman did, you know, even with the uh, local herbal remedies and plant medicines, whatever, in combination with more focused, concentrative, meditative techniques or guidances along with, you know, shakers, percussion, Mm -hmm. rhythm instruments, whistling, Icaros, you know, these, these songs, these psalms, these, uh, pieces of music that they'd use to invoke trance or hip, hypnagogic states um, mm-hmm. and help to navigate the experience essentially because man uh, music is transportive on so many levels Definitely. Uh, Definitely. With, with 
plant medicines or not, you know, psychoactive mm-hmm. compounds or not. And it's just a, it's super fascinating stuff. And, um, especially coming, talking with someone that's coming from, you know, a formal education in it and has direct experiences, um, with all those, you know, inter intertwining fields. Um, cause man, now more than ever do people need more, uh, I hate to say organic, homeopathic holistic approaches to health wellness especially yeah. the I, think, I think you know like COVID-19 um kind of reveals something that people in medicine have known for a while which is like the system is really kind of inadequate to really um equitably address people's wellness it's more designed to fix things after they go wrong and many times not even really fixing things it's more patching things up right um and so I think thinking about ways that as humans, as communities, we can take our own wellness into our own hands. And um, yeah, I think it's critical. And I think these, these kind of psychotechnologies, as you put it, like, you know, music, mindfulness, um, organic, you know, uh, substances, herbs, like I think all of these things are, have a, a real role to play in our healing and in really often preventing, you know, some sicknesses or some illnesses. Yeah, and it's interesting, especially in light of like that film I sent you, Fantastic Fungi, which not only, you know, of course, spoke of the more magical psychedelic effects of certain uh, endogenous uh, mycelium, but it got into, you know, like you saw, the millions of variances of the species and their effects on the ecosystem, mm-hmm. on the brain, on neurology, and like so many things that like, it's ne- there's never again never been a better it's interesting how we are kind of being reminded and rediscovering you know what the ancients in uh have yeah. known for so long and we need it now like yeah. i mean even in psychiatry now right like there are a bunch of studies looking at psilocybin looking at ketamine um you know there's been a long history in psychiatry looking at lsd and so i think even the idea that like many of these substances can have a therapeutic role um, you know, when used in a way that's, that's understood, um, that kind of take advantage of their mechanism is something that even psychiatry is, is putting more and more into the mainstream as we evolve a better understanding, um, of them. And again, saying like what we consider as evolving a better understanding, this is thing, these are things that are old, like people have known these things. Um, so it's just, that it's becoming so much more mainstream after it being, you know, suppressed Delegated, yeah, public yeah. knowledge that it's becoming an obvious kind of like, well, this has to be re-administered into mainstream population worldwide and in, in medicine and anywhere yeah. health is involved. So it's, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good sign. Um, I believe. And, um, so, is so you, so it seems like you started to like kind of a like you had like a new, some new channels on social media where like you're at, you're developing a, a um a department in in Yale right now for the music mindfulness studies or talk about so that. it's more we, so we're running a study currently and that, that's kind of what I think you you're referring to so it's called the music mindfulness study and it's basically asking you know can we use um music mindfulness sessions combined with some community mindfulness classes over a period of time to help uh, people with stress management um, and help uh, with social connectedness, anxiety, depression, symptoms. 
Um, and so it's a study that just started. We just started enrolling people um, and we're getting, you know, data now. But the idea really is to first kind of establish like what kinds of music mindfulness interventions work and then really start looking at mechanism, right? Like what are the ways in which these things together can have sort of a, an additive or summative effect than any of them individually. And obviously as a musician, um, having the opportunity to be a part of like creating, you know, the different, uh, the different concepts that are going into, you know, the music state, the, the music mindfulness stimuli and, and asking like, okay, what kinds of chord progressions, for instance, like can probabilistically drive certain emotional dimensions, right? right. Like, I think that's a really important question. I mean, Pythagoras was asking that question like a long time ago. The ancient Egyptians, you know, were, were asking that question and had certain ideas about different frequencies of sound having specific properties. So those are kinds of questions I'm really interested in bringing to like the field of psychiatry, like really getting into the mechanism of how do how does music and mindfulness like work together? What kind of chord progressions better facilitate mindfulness? Like all those kinds of questions. But right now we're sort of at the really beginning phases of just asking like, if we combine these things in certain ways, does it have an effect on things we care about? Yeah. Right. You know, it's interesting because it's known pretty generally anyone who's in music or knows anything about, you know, chords or, whatever they at least know major and minor and we all know minors mm -hmm. when you want to go dark a yeah, bit yeah. a little more sad mm -hmm. and everything in between on those scales and then majors happy you know like, mm -hmm. exactly and it's so and it, go ahead no i was just saying and that's like a very intuitive early thing that you learn in music right like major chords are more happy minor chords you know diminished chords are more dark and scary like so like what you can feel that on an intuitive level. Are there ways to better understand that for people who, you know, we see in like the psychiatry outpatient clinic? Is there a way to use that information to help them? Um, and then just taking it out of like the modes and, and chords, we're really thinking about like specific frequencies, right? Like, right. is there something that like an E flat minor does that's different than a B flat minor? Or, you know, that's like how do these specific frequencies drive different things, you know? Right. And I think it can get pretty intricate the more deeper you get into those studies because yeah you got major minor but like in on those scales and in between those scale degrees like there's you're gonna get a like okay so there's minor but then you got so you got sad you got you got uh emotional or moody i mean there's mm -hmm. different yeah, yeah, exactly yeah spectra that you know you can pinpoint then oh this person comes in they're saying oh today i've I've had a rough go at work and I've been frustrated and you can like a psychiatrist does kind of derive a, like what the condition is. And then you have some treatment in the form of, uh, to me know. that that's like my dream, right? Like my dream is to say, these are your symptoms. This is what you should listen to, to help you right. driving your mood in this direction. Right. And obviously like, you know, I'm, I'm in, psychiatry residency like i'm being trained as a psychiatrist so i do think like there are times where there's definitely value to some kind of pharmacotherapy i think there's a lot of value to just you know psychotherapy and and and, and all these different modalities that we have my argument is just like these are really important things that we should also be thinking intentionally about and including as a part of our repertoire you know and and in some cases might do the job you know, maybe you don't need some of these other things in certain cases. And, and knowing what cases those are, I think could be really helpful. Yeah, I think the more buffer of more natural pathic kind of approaches, 
to getting on the, you know, the more wellness side. Uh, if one is in need, you know, the more buffer there is and other protocols you can explore before having to get, you know, a prescription or go into, you know, uh, have to get a pharmacological or, or what's the word? Uh, uh, ha- I mean, basically just have to get prescribed, you know, a, a cyclical dependency on a certain drug that, you know, you, most of them are, are most of them synthetic, would you say? Like, in the field of uh, most of them, most of most of the the medications we use are are synthesis are synthetic, but work on sort of the endogenous ligands or resemble sort of like endogenous um, endogenous ligands. But I think, um, yeah, the I, the idea that like everyone needs to be prescribed uh, a medication and then you know should just be on that for their life. Not only may it not really work, but many people don't. You know, I I know people personally, I've had clients and patients personally who just don't take their medication. They stop taking it because of the side effects, um, you know. And then I know some people who like are completely not functional unless they are taking their medication regularly, right? So I'm not disavow- like, you know, disavowing all medication, but I think thinking about when we use it and then thinking about how we can use these other ways um, to help facilitate or to help, you know, us not have to use it, I think, you know, is, is a good way forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like what, a what kind of like a, any, like a normal kind of work day for you, like when you go to the hospital or like you, are you there pretty most, most of the week? So it depends on like the specific clinical block right now I'm on kind of a research block. So I come into the hospital mostly when I'm on call or when I need to like speak with like different trainees in the lab and things like that. Um, so a typical day for me, it's like I get up pretty early, do some kind of meditation, some kind of reading. I might do some music in the morning. Um, I'll do breakfast, kind of set my son up with his work. And then, you know, I'll just do a lot of reading and writing for science stuff. Uh, if I have to, you know, come on call at the hospital, I'll come in. Um, and, and do what I need to do there. And then, yeah, in the evening, same thing. Like I'll, I'll do some more meditating, do some more music, you know, hang out with uh, T-Waves, hang out with my son. So yeah, it, it's pretty variable day to day, but those core components, like I try to get every day, you know, music, mindfulness, medicine, science, like I'm doing some of that, you know, on, on any given day. Yeah. So you really live, you know, what you, you practice, what you, you know, are exploring, studying, researching and sharing with others in your field, which, I mean, I trust a doctor or anyone, like someone who I'm going to come to for advice as far as health and wellness, whatever nutrition, like, like I'm not going to go to a nutritionist that weighs 500 pounds type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think for me, I, I try to speak to people from a place of truth and experience. So it's like, I know what it feels like to have a panic attack. You know, I know what it feels like to be depressed. I know like how difficult it is to quiet the mind and get it to a space where you can have a more real perspective and perception of what you're experiencing. And so when I say like, Oh, I'm really a huge proponent of mindfulness and, and, and music and all these things, it's because like I've, experienced the transition in my own sense of being and wellness when I adopted these practices and really dug deeply into them, you know? Right. And that, I mean, for me, that's what makes me so passionate about it and 
makes me willing to continue to try to like live at an intersection of things that is not really common and frankly becomes harder and harder as I progress through the different levels of each thing individually in a sense, you know? Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, what is it? I My sense is that like, everyone, I mean, some people just like, they, they, I think everyone has anxiety, like at whatever degree, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like everyone experiences the, the stratum of energy and, and stimulus response and emotional, uh, the emotional spectrum. Um, I think the difference is though, some people are willing to explore the root causes and of those conditions, which I mean, isn't easy. Uh, that's probably why a lot of people just like quickly resort to, okay, I need anti-anxiety pills or whatever doctor. I feel anxiety every day and I'm stressed and I can't, you know, like I think, cause look, like I said, I've been feeling anxiety today. Like I've been feeling kind of depressed today. Like it's, it's rare and rare because I like you try, try to install or implement every day, you know, some type of meditation or yoga exercise and me <laughs> that again, like it, it has the, the vibratory effect on me that calms my nerves. It gets me, you know, into worlds that hopefully I've created lyrically that, you know, take me to a, a better <laughs> vision of tomorrow or, you know, that keeps me present. Like a lot of times, a lot of the things I write lyrically is almost like my, higher self in the future because i know i'm going to be listening to it again it's telling me how i need to be you know there's songs that i wrote you know two three years ago that i'm now understanding the meaning of right you know and i'm sure in 10 years i'll understand the meaning of them in even a in in even a higher way you know so i i definitely i definitely resonate with that i think from my from like the perspective of like a psychiatry trainee um which I think it, it has been interesting because in some ways I'm being trained within a system that I don't fully believe in or agree with, yet I do see the value that it does provide to people who are really struggling, right? So I think there's, like you said, there are different varying degrees of anxiety and everyone experiences anxiety to some level on that continuum as just part of being a human. But then I think there are some people who are, it becomes so, it interrupts their ability to function so much that they can't even begin engaging in that process that you're talking about, about looking kind of below the surface to ask like, well, what is it really I'm anxious about? Who's the one that's anxious? Like, where does that person who's anxious get their identity from? Like, is that actually true? Like, these are all questions that like require a certain level of functionality at baseline to be able to even sit with and probe, you know? So sometimes sometimes the medications can be helpful in that way to kind of bring them back down on that continuum to then do some of that work if they're you know ready or prepared to do some of that work but i i do agree that these our emotions are very powerful gateways into like self-realization and and a truer understanding of who we are you know and why because i don't if would you agree that a lot of the times you know people who have more extreme cases of say anxiety disorders or whatever as because we all know that it's completely numbing it 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 creates a resistance in our body in our field in our minds 
from wanting to even explore anything outside of just like, oh, just sit here. But like, um, God, hold on a sec. I was going to say, man, sometimes, so this is what I found in my nature. Like I create details. I'll try to explain too much. And then I then lose the train that I was on. Mm-hmm. It happens. Oh, oh, this is what I was going to say. Uh, do you find that, or do you agree that a lot of the times uh, what the, what the pr- root cause or problem is, uh, is like on the unconscious you know what I mean where like so, a lot of the times people they they're like I, I don't know how to fix this like these drugs don't work uh, I've tried this and that but I still just feel this anxiety uh, could it be that a lot of the time they're unsure even if they're open to exploring what that is in them it's it's usually coming from the unconscious that hasn't been brought to light um I don't know if that's a good question. So, yeah, I mean, so I would say it it depends, but oftentimes, yes, in, in that, like, what's causing my anxiety or what's causing my depression, in some cases, can be very obvious or explicit. Like, you know, my wife left me or, you know, my, my husband died or whatever, and it's been, like, now two or three months and I'm still feeling this way. It's like, okay, your depression is probably because it's a very specific thing, and we can deal with that. I think... There are those, those, however, who, because of a lot of even like early child experiences, early conditioning experiences, um, have these beliefs and these, um, these areas of their psyche that are functioning sort of below the conscious level that are then causing them to experience everything they experience in, in this way that, that doesn't allow them to function with the rest of society. Um, I think that oftentimes can be a really difficult process to kind of get down and unroot some of these things that were were kind of these damages damages that occurred like really early in in development um and i think you know psychotherapy is really good at doing that but that's also like a very involved process that requires you to really commit to it um again i think mindfulness and different meditative approaches can actually, I think, accomplish this goal as well. But I think, you know, you have to be led by someone who kind of knows what they're doing and um, can kind of take you through the steps in a safe way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Um, So, I mean, what, what uh, have you, I know I've seen some new music, uh, you've been creating like by the i mean obviously i told you that piano song did you just write that um that day or have you had that have you had that no that's that was really new and it started really with that piano riff and for some reason i'll just like i i sometimes do this a lot where i'll just like kind of play around and then a certain riff like i'll just get caught in a loop and then i'm like okay that's i need to put that (laughs) i need to put that down you know so it was one of those things where like I started with that riff and then I put that in. And as soon as I put that in, kind of a lot of the lyrics and kind of the melody and all that stuff kind of came. So it was really one of those songs where it's like it really just kind of flowed with just everything that's going on at the time. Just all the things I was thinking, experiencing, feeling, it kind of came out in that moment. You know? 
Yeah, that one feels really good. I love the the progression in it and the, the simple melodic nature of it. Um, and man, you got like you got you're not like a singer, but you're a singer. Like you're aware of melody and you just have a sensibility that it it it, it comes out in a way that just feels super authentic and real and. Again, I mean, man, I I feel I feel like I I continue to fanboy you, but like on like I just love discovering real raw artists and songwriters that like I don't know I don't I don't hear a lot of people that come from the approach that people like you do, um, and I feel like I I do in my own sense, but it it's like crawling in the desert, man, in this music this music field out here and you're looking for the good air and the good water. And that's in, you know, artists like yourself and others who actually are speaking on real shit and not just flexing, speaking running their mouth, talking about whatever material things, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff's cool on some days, but honestly, I'm always looking for stuff that that has that uplift feel kind of transcendent quality that gets me out of my own thinking it's is mantric like i mean mantra literally means a vehicle for the mind mm-hmm. you know through frequency uh and we all know again you know the ancients practice mantra in various traditions as Definitely. one of the main means and tools for you know elevating consciousness or healing you know names of thought and whatever so it's like it comes back around to that. I mean, I was going to say sorry for just jumping from one thing to the other, but these things all kind of intertwine. They're all connected, man. And I really, I mean, you saying that to me is, is very, very meaningful because I think as an artist and, you know, like, like I said, I've been doing music like my entire life, but really as a sort of independent artist, I only started, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, and it took me really that long to even feel like I had, something to say or something that anybody would care to listen to um and then the response that i was getting from people really was encouraging but i think even now like i'm i'm really now starting to find like my most authentic voice where i don't feel like i need to try to sound like anybody who's current i need to try to make my music sound more hip-hop or more anything it's just like this is the music that i make and this is kind of how my voice sounds and i'm comfortable with it and i'm like really now getting into that and i feel like like with songs like Taking Off, It Go Slowly, the song that we did, it's really starting to come out. That authenticity and me really kind of being comfortable with who I am as an artist is starting to come out more. So I'm really happy for that like kind of evolution and progress. Yeah, and and trust me, man, I don't, I listen to a lot of different stuff and I'm always discovering new stuff. And I don't just like say those things unless like it really hits in the way like it does when, from other stuff that, you know, I find that gives me that effect. And like when I do find it or discover it, I hold it dear because especially if it's, you know, a more obscure, unknown, independent like yourself, like I, like I support that shit the most. And like, again, I think it, there's never been a better time. Like I think artists like you and I and others that we know um, that are coming from more of that, that authentic approach, I would say, more people like me are looking, you know, where are these artists at? Like I'm looking for that kind of music that I can put on and feel good about, you know, and like, (laughs) and I think, I think more than ever, you know, people, you know, there's a, there's a market for it um, for lack of better term, but. um, No. And I think that's part of, again, for me, I've never been one who's doing it for the market or the money. 
But I also do realize that like there's a value to being able to know who your market is, capture that market and like get and build that community. Um, and so I think that's one of the things now, like now that I think, you know, my team and I have gotten to a point where we're comfortable with like what we're able to make musically and like what the messaging is, what the production quality is, like all of those things. Now we're starting to turn our focus more into like who we know what we're about and what we're, who is this for? Like, who will this have value to? And like, how do we reach those people or connect with those people to like really start building a community? Um, so that like a lot of our focus now is like more starting to move in that direction. Um, Cause like, like you said, I think there are people who are looking for, for that kind of music and are looking for that kind of community, but it isn't necessarily what the music industry mainstream yeah, is like promoting, you know? Well, traditionally, it, I mean, call it a conspiracy theory or whatever, but like you turn on the mainstream waves, man, you're getting low vibrational frequencies and concept material and, <laughs> and lyric. I mean, I mean, we, I don't want to name names or call anything out, but like, I mean, it's most of that stuff. And, yeah. and it's not lower threshold. It's just like kind of puts you in a, I don't know. I'm very sensitive. I feel the frequency. Like I don't really watch TV, but if, it's on or someone has it on i can't stand listening to commercials so i'm always muting it if i'm watching anything on the television <laughs> i really don't but like even on you know youtube or whatever at like yeah, I yeah, yeah. there's a frequency it, it's just like i can't accept that into my field so like i'm very picky with what i'm uh, my input uh, that i allow uh, musically content whatever but uh you know i think it's just a ma as long as artists like you uh, and others like you are out there and still doing it and, you know, at least putting it through the channels where it can be accessed and discovered by the world. Like, I really believe it is just a matter of time. And I do st also believe that, like, the best music in the best sense will always find, you know, the right people or enough mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. to ensure that it lives on. And, like, again, that's like the song that. Uh, whoever's listening now you haven't heard because it's not out there and i'm 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 a proponent of getting that uh you, out there soon but like i feel that it has that energy and that pull where it's like man i know how this makes me feel i need to like this the world is needing this right now like the world is is thirsty man and like um it's it's exciting that uh that will be out someday uh as well as perhaps some other stuff we might get into. Uh, yeah, man, listen, you keep sending me, keep sending me stuff, man. Something's going to come out for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we were talking about some stuff you've been working on. You wrote that new song. Uh, I think you should make a full production of that and a strip version, like I said, because um, that's a great song. Um, is that, and you've, you've released a single, Taking Off, um, which we'll be playing in the intro of this of this episode um is was that the first like real official you know release uh that you did as an artist no so prior to this i have um i had three projects choices on likely stories and black pack and they're all like i think early attempts to really kind of um find my voice and tell my story and i think give people an introduction to like who I am and why I kind of have some of the ideas that I have. Um, and I think you can see through those three projects already, like my progress as an artist over the first, you know, two years, I think taking off kind of represents, and it's, I mean, it's even in the title, I think taking off represents 
myself and my my primary producer T Waves, who produced Taking Off, kind of us realizing like, okay, we're at a we've now like we've put in some really early work in terms of like really learning the music industry, not just like music, but how to do stuff in the music industry. And now we're at a place where we're ready to actually launch and kind of really pursue that dream. Like we put in the groundwork and now we're going to take off from here. Um, and so it, it, in, it is in some way like a, a new marker of like, all right, now from this point on, like the level of AZA is going to be like much bigger than the first three projects. Um, but yeah. Nice. I'm going to have to find where the, those earlier projects are at. I didn't know those were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and did T-Wave, did, was it you guys collabing on those projects too? Or how did you come Yeah, so T-Wave is primary producer on, on all three of those projects. I do some production on um, all three of them as well. And then I have like one of my friends, Via, who um, produced some stuff on Blackpack. So mostly it's T-Waves and then I do some production throughout those three projects. Um, and yeah, now I think, you know, we're just looking to continue to expand and grow, grow the sound. And I think for me, I know like moving forward a lot more of the sound is going to be moving more in the direction of like live instrumentation, um, you know, me playing keys and, and stuff like that, because that really, that's really at the core of, of like, you know, how I express and, and live music is really live instrument, live instruments, playing with other people, that connection. There's something that comes out of that that you can't reproduce with Logic Pro, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's, that's kind of one direction that we're moving into. I'm glad to hear that. And I've actually, you know, I come from that too, kind of as well, um, and know all about that because guitar has been my main kind of instrument growing up and before I knew anything about production and logic and all this stuff, it was, you know, playing solo acoustic shows, whatever, and guitar based stuff and trying to find a band. And honestly, uh, after like the last few years of more deeply studio production, recording, stuff like that, more in the box stuff, mm-hmm. started getting like, man, I need to find some like musicians and like jam with like, I just, it, it's kind of like a lost thing. But so I like over the last couple of years, I've started looking for people like trying out with different people and bands, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all a vibe and chemistry. Like, you know, you don't know until you sit down and it, yeah. instruments and vibe and whatever comes. But I've actually found, uh, I've been developing with a band here in Colorado um, um, for the last few months. And it's been like, a lifesaver because it's just like shit anytime i just need to like i mean we've been doing it like once a week um but every time i come back from it i'm just like ah i just relieved and just like healed and we rocked out and like it's electric guitars and stuff and drums so it's like you know but it, it brings me back to that that more raw approach of songwriting um with a band and a live uh performance in mind which is a completely different thing than just like laying down tracks and logic which exactly. is cool too but it's cool too and like I, and i can do that and if you and and in like my first three projects you hear nice mixes of like there's a lot of places where there's like live piano played in or live bass guitar played in things like that and then you have like other production elements kind of you know put in through this to the through the midi but there is a certain energy of like bringing four people together and having them speak this language in real time that like you just can't reproduce with one person playing different things separated in time, you know, so there's something special that emerges out of that. And I think 
for me being able to capture that you know in in in, in an original way and still have elements of like the things that people are used to hearing sonically in today's world like to me is a really exciting you know direction to move into and so that's kind of the direction that we're going yeah and i think a lot more producers um in general are coming at it from that more hybrid approach because mm -hmm. it, it gets stale and cold after a while man if it's all synthetic and digital and uh robotic if you mm -hmm. don't know how to quantize properly <laughs> or don't quantize at all man like shit play come out it come up yeah um that's awesome man um i'm definitely going to be linking for the people uh the projects and other stuff in the wherever i release uh this pod um i'm trying to think this is my opportunity to like dig dig into the mind of aza the message <laughs> okay so, so i i kind of I'd be interested, man, you got to send me your, uh, your birth information. If you can get like your exact time and stuff too, I'd be interested to, uh, I've been studying like how to interpret charts and stuff and yeah. astrology and, you know, the arts and sciences of, of, of gnosis, you know, mm -hmm. tarot, astrology, human design. I don't know if you've heard some of these numerology. Yeah. I've heard, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm, I've heard and I'm familiar with everything you just said. Yeah um i just it's super i mean as a scorpio as i believe you are son at least uh you know it's it's not a mistake or coincidence that you you have interest in in music in the mind and more deeper aspects of uh uh this this reality and mm -hmm. um but i'd be interested to go deeper uh because i've i uh i love doing that and it, it reveals a lot and I think it's another thing that's on the fringe and a lot of people maybe make fun of me for even being into it. Uh, but it's another thing that's been like shamanism essentially. Um, and a lot of traditional uh, more tribal based um, modalities, so to speak, um, have been tabooed in our culture mm -hmm. um, in such a way that like, it's almost like, well, I wonder why that is. Uh, who are we afraid of these things, these sciences? Like, but because essentially, what I've found is they are like the keys to unlocking everything you need to know about how you, what your signature is and design is in this in this life, and like how to navigate more effectively and with more self awareness um, instead of taking like all the cues from the external. Uh, stimulus in the world and people telling you what to do in a authoritative structures and this and that. But I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But <laughs> but send me that info if you, if you can get it. And I do need the exact uh, birth time, location, date, and your full name whenever you get a chance. But uh, yeah, man, I'll definitely I'll definitely say I have to double check on the time. I actually had that specific information. I just can't remember where it is or what it is. But I'll, I'll double check the time and everything else yeah, I know, so I can send. You. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll I'll generate a little little chart for you and a little map. Um, you Love can it. Dive into, because um, I've also, I mean, I found there's many corollaries too with uh, with the stuff that you're already involved in in the research, and it could be you know another tool that uh, expands the insight into into your findings. But um, anyways. Um, luckily not a lot of people listen to this yet. Otherwise I'd probably get some, some, some haters in the comments. Or, 
I mean, my thing is like, I obviously like I'm, I've been trained within an academic Western yeah. framework, right? Like I went to med school and did a PhD in neuroscience and now I'm in psychiatry residency program. So I think I've always had a degree of skepticism about everything that isn't considered mainstream contemporary ways of gnosis or ways of gaining knowledge. Um, but then I think as I've grown and matured and discovered things that did and didn't work for myself from an experiential perspective, I more and more have like adopted the practice of just like what works for people you shouldn't question for yeah. them. Right. <laughs> you know? And yeah. if you haven't tried it, then you don't have any basis upon which to launch an argument against it working for them. Right. You know? Even, um, if, and, even if they're the only one that whatever they do works for, because everyone is uniquely different biologically, psychologically, I mean, everything. So I think my biggest issue and the thing I, I, that kind of uh, I get pretty passionate about is when something doesn't work for someone, but they won't give it up. You know, or it's clear that it has a negative effect, but they continue to preach it and like push it onto other people. It's like, well, it doesn't work for you. So why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, but if it does work for you, I'm fine with you doing it. You don't have to try to impose it on me. And just like I won't impose the things that work for me onto you, I'm happy to share frameworks and like right. help you understand how it could work for you. But, you know, yeah. So yeah. I think a lot of these things are, are things like that, where it's like on, the, on one surface level, it could seem like, oh, that, that doesn't work. That, that has no real basis. But then if you actually look and you actually experiment, you actually try things, then I think you're in a much better position to actually know what you're talking about versus just making a judgment. Exactly. And it's unique to the individual. And, and that makes me think of like, you really can't know. I mean, it goes with anything unless you really immerse yourself in it and like give it the time of day uh, and cross analyze and have an open minded skeptic approach. Like you can't really know. You can't really know it. So it's like, but, but people are so quick to just like judge things that they don't know because it's tabooed in this way or that. And, oh, it's pseudoscience, this pseudoscience. But um, yeah. And it's like a lot of times where at, at a certain stage of, of self-inquiry, you're asking about things that can't be logically proven within the material world. Right. Measured. Right. Right. And so this materialist science, you know, needs me if it's not measurable, it's that's a, the point. That's the point I'm making. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like fundamentally, when you start asking different questions, you're opening yourself up to different methodologies and different ways of knowing than you might traditionally have used within sort of deterministic, you know, materialistic framework. Yeah, and thankfully the quantum fields are coming in and sciences are proving, you know, hey, we need to take a second look at these more para-scientific. Uh, I mean, quantum physics to me blows everything up, you know, it basically, it basically, you know, and biocentrism, like all these things kind of basically show that like the materialist framework that much of Western science has been built on can't really be true in some objective way like quantum physics already has proven that i think there's a lot of other ways in which now like there's a lot of scientific evidence for that being the case yeah it's what we've built on it's what we continue to kind of approach medicine science 
with this, you know, with this kind of materialistic framework, which again, if you're talking about, you know, biology, if you're talking about a very specific way of trying to ask a question, I think, you know, there's definitely validity there, but there are other kinds of questions. And I don't think it's, I think it's, it's like, we're doing ourselves a disservice when we try to take the methods of one type of approach and then move it to a different kind of question and a different kind of knowing, and then use that as like an evaluation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's always an interesting thing to look at and realize in all those fields, medicine, science, I mean, most institutional fields, like, or, uh, God, what am I trying to say? I don't know. I just, I can't stand rigid thinking and uh, inability to open open mind and like see things differently. I mean, we could, I mean, then you think of like religion, race, all these things. It's It's usually just because people aren't willing to just get outside of their reality tunnel, their box and, you know, the confines that of their consensus reality uh, or a subculture that believes in this or that. I just, mm-hmm. I can't stand that. Um, so I, 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 I call that out as much as I can. And I try not to be a, a victim of it myself because it's easy to get caught in our ways and, you know, our conditioning and, a lot of the times it goes unchecked and we don't even realize we're we're putting ourselves in those positions to miss yeah. the, miss the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who I mean, fundamentally loves science, believes in science, or else I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing, right? But I think just coming to a higher level of understanding that like there are certain questions that the scientific method in the way that we typically approach it can't be used. Now, I think spirituality can be definitely scientific. Like there is a science of self-realization. And so I think the idea that like I can try things, I can experiment with things and then see how they actually work or don't work. And there's levels of being able to try certain things and coming to some form of understanding and knowledge. Like I think that scientific process can be applied to one's path for, you know, search for self or search for truth. but how we evaluate the evidence and what we take of as evidence, I think has to be kind of restructured when we're dealing with different dimensions and different domains. You know? Well, that's what's exciting about the times we're in now and the stuff that you're getting into research with and, and discovering is like these things are now starting to be more and more verifiable sciences and not just pseudosciences, paranormal this, paranormal that, you know. Like it's actually can be read out and we can see how frequencies are affecting biology or neurology and all, all these other things that are quantifiable. Yeah. 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 I think reality, I think mindfulness was one of those things, right. Where like before it really became sort of more acceptable in like the seventies and eighties sort of in the U S and then like became more a part of like the biomedical research infrastructure it was kind of seen as this like hand wavy kind of thing. Like, Oh, you're just going to sit down for 30 minutes and it's going to somehow help you, you know? And then we were like doing brain scans on people and being like, Oh shit, like their brains are actually changing. Like the function of their brain is doing stuff when they meditate. Like this is a real thing, you know? Um, So I think a lot of these other things like hypnosis, uh, you know, like they're going to, the more that we actually can figure out ways to, again, use our Western framework to get the kind of evidence that we care about. I think it will help push people deeper into like really understanding those practices, even past sort of the Western confines, you know? Right. Well, it kind of makes me think of like how 
we're moving into this era and age where like the 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 knowledge and wisdom of the east is merging with the more western approach you know where it was more physical material the east was more spiritual and psychological and now these worlds are kind of you know proving each and the other in a sense and exactly it makes me think of uh like you're saying, you know, that we're actually able to see meditation has a, a verifiable, measurable effect um, in a person. But I also know that I've seen studies and especially this one story of uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but like they got they gathered like I think like 100 people. Uh, I think it was in D.C. or something uh, to meditate because the crime rate was way up in D.C. for some time. I mean, I'm sure it still is at a certain degree, but at this time it was way up. Um, and they had, they tried an experiment where they got together like a hundred or so people in a room and meditated collectively, um, all with like the same kind of visualization intention to like decrease, you know, crime and Mm -hmm. all these negative attributes that were happening at that time. And they literally, uh, like they measured the next few weeks or something, a, a duration of time after the meditation took place. And there was, you know, huge de- decreases in, wow. you know, the, the crime. Or I, I'm sure it's out there if, if you look it up. Yeah. Um, but th- basically that happened. And it's like, man, just imagine the implications of, of that at, at, a, at a higher scale if, you know, people did that more uh, frequently and at higher volumes. I mean, I know some people, I mean, obviously some people like say, hey, uh, tonight, even for the eleven eleven energy and stuff, people are like going to do a global meditation at eleven eleven. It's like, man, that stuff and the and the Schumann resonance. Have you heard of the Schumann resonance? I haven't like, heard of the Schumann resonance. Uh-uh. The, apparently, the Earth has a measurable standing like frequency of like seven point six three hertz or something, and they call mm. that the Schumann resonance. Um, it's like the bio uh, electromagnetic. Uh, frequency and like the background uh yeah yeah it's and where was i going with that i don't know but it makes sense that people could change the world meditating together visualizing the same thing and i just i don't know if you heard also (laughs) speaking of like these things being kind of verified and admitted almost after being, you know, called pseudoscience and just magical stuff, occultism. Like I just found out like the CIA recently released a bunch of documents uh, from all this science and experiments having to do with consciousness and, and remote viewing and all these pretty far out uh, uh, modalities. Yeah. Like they were, CIA was trying to do mind control and like, well, they it's by freedom of information act and this youtube video of this guy i listened to a guy read all the stuff in the findings from the 80s up to now um basically the cia admitting like the power of consciousness and belief and 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 magic and like you know astral astral projection and all these things that like yeah we've known about conceptually for so long and yet they've been occulted tabooed uh as far as the mainstream's concerned but mm-hmm. literally from the horse's mouth from the central intelligence agency they're saying it basically an admittance to magic and 
and the powers of the mind that go beyond, you know, uh, uh, the limits of, of the body. And I don't know, it's, it's far out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think we're just scratching. Society at large is just scratching the surface of like the power of consciousness yeah. and what that means for, again, to me, what the most critical question is, is like, who are we? Yeah. Truly, like what is our true identity and kind of getting into a deep understanding of that collectively, I think has to be transformative, you know? Yeah. And I think it's almost like inevitable, uh, reclamation or rediscovery. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it makes me think of, or at least I envision or hope that this is what is happening now because it's necessary is uh, the the hundredth monkey experiment if you've heard of that have you heard of that? So like, uh there is this island where these scientists went and they this this habit the habitable like monkeys on this island their food source was coconuts i think but like there was radioactive fallout on this island so like all these uh collections of monkeys were uh dying off because they didn't uh know you know, the, 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 their food source was contaminated essentially. So these scientists went in, they taught like uh, a few of the monkeys, the monkeys, yeah, yeah, clean off in the ocean. And then they were, you know, eating again and and surviving. And once the hundredth monkey of the, of the clan or whatever you call a collection of monkeys is um, discovered this in an instant. um, And you could say morphogenetically, uh, the rest, everyone on all of the, all the monkeys learned it like without being taught, mm-hmm. like something just clicked uh, in their minds after a, the hundredth monkey, you know, learned it and in, integrated it, applied it. And to me, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of the morphogenetic field that Rupert Sheldrake coined in like the nineties or something, but the mm-hmm. idea of like morphic resonance uh, and how, like our field or electromagnetic or in field has, you know, uh, you know, effects on reality, on other people, on other life forms, on other energies, kind of like how a dog knows that their master's uh, nearing the home. But I mean, how, how else would a dog know that their master is about to be home when they're still in the car driving on the street in the neighborhood nearby, but they're waiting at the door already you know, it's an example of like morphogenetic resonance and how we can pick up on these things and also affect- you can be in a room with someone and just pick up on, you know, people got bad vibes or vibes, pick up on yeah. that. What do you think that, you know, like, what do people think that actually is, right? There's, right. there are, there are, there are, there are forms of energy that we admit that we perceive outside of the five senses. Um, and I think, you know, anyone who, anyone who does a serious study of, uh, ways of perceiving outside of the five senses, then will you know, will know that that is something that's true. Um, and I think, you know, understanding like the mechanisms by which that happens, that's, we don't have like all of that, I think really well figured out from like a Western standpoint. Um, but the, that idea I think is, is definitely, uh, one that resonates with my own experience even. Yeah, and in in studying the occult, like I have uh, throughout the last few years, you know, basically that's where it, most of this information and these sciences and knowledge is occulted, essentially, to the Western mind. Um, 
when we're talking about subtle energies, astral bodies, auras, chakras, all these more, you know, spiritualized new agey kind of concepts. Like mm-hmm. these are nothing new age, man. This is old age. Old, old age. <laughs> is, to me, I feel that one could say that these things are suppressed because it's where we find access to, you know, our innate powers and latent abilities that go beyond uh, the five senses that go beyond what we've been told to believe we're capable as human beings. You know, I mean, where do you think the Stan Lee uh, X-Men, what do you think these movies are about? These super natural <laughs> Superman, Batman, you know, these, uh, X-Men with magical abilities that uh, are super, superhuman. It's it's speaking to me to the archetypes of, you know, what's been lost in us um, through the ages and, you know, put down into the chambers of, of occult hidden uh, knowledge bases. Uh, for what reason? I don't know. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but uh, <laughs> I, can, I can do an educated guess on it. And but the, again, these things are returning to a lot of people and more people becoming interested in them and discovering directly the positive effects and benefits from, you know, the, the, the practice and exercise of these. And, and, and I think for me, that's, um, that for me is what I'm passionate about. It's just like, if I can share something about my experience that can resonate with someone and then kind of point them towards you know, certain kinds of knowledge. Like I reference, I, I reference a lot of different kind of things in my music that's like, someone might not know what it is, but if they look it up, you know, it could, right. it could expose them to like a whole new way of thinking that could be, you know, could change their life. So for me, it's passion. Like I'm passionate about just having that information as I've lived it, you know, in the music as a gateway for people to like explore certain concepts or ideas or ask themselves certain questions that, you know, could, could maybe lead them in a different direction or a direction that helps them further along the path they're already on. You know? Exactly. It's endless discovery. I feel. And honestly, that's why I feel like for the most part, why I make music and exactly what's happened. I mean, how I found you, how we connected it's because of that. Like I'm making music. I'm on a path of discovery to like dive into my own soul through music exploration and also connect with others because at the end of the day like to me all this is about is wanting to connect with other energies other people other other Mm -hmm. like minds and like because something happens when this even just now like like I said I was kind of having a down day down day whatever or at least sensing that or my energy was off and I didn't even want to do this, but I'm glad I did because like even just this transference of frequency between two minds oscillating mm-hmm. on similar wavelengths, like I feel uplifted, energized, and you know, transmuted, you know, the more uh destructive kind of feelings that I was feeling earlier. And it just goes to speak to like why we do it and like mm-hmm. this is this yeah. is why, man. And um Definitely. Definitely. So on that, which we, we I, I don't want to keep it too long. I mean, you're on the clock. Are you, are you getting paid right now, right? Uh, yeah, man, I'm on call. I mean, <laughs> we don't get paid by the hour in that sense, but yeah. yeah. This is definitely, I, I definitely will be compensated for this time in some way. Well, in many ways, this is the more uh, informal, uh, you could say, 
research discussion analyzing observing you know thought thought processes when it comes to organizing these these methodologies more uh yeah, I, made, I made more than enough references to my research yeah ideal, psychiatry department oh <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can do like a one more question and then i'll go uh take care of some duties yeah okay then i'm gonna just get to the the, the last little just a quick kind of like machine gun run through of things for people mm -hmm. to get to know aza a bit more and i have to admit this was a little more impromptu this time i usually come with a little bit more like structure uh but i'm glad because yeah make it flow get into it all right all right favorite favorite color man favorite color is black it's weird because once you said favorite i was really nervous because there's not a lot of things i have favorites of Ooh. and i usually just end up like uh well like but yeah black is my favorite color um red is is becoming a favorite color as well um but uh yeah, yeah gold yeah. gold would be like my third Ooh, from lead to gold from black to gold dude uh i like it do you have control in your studio or where you make music over lighting does that matter to you colors and i do have control over the lighting and i think it does matter like I, I i'll go with a lot of like yeah I'll, I'll i'll adjust the lighting until it kind of feels right and then create within that frame i don't like like really bright lights when i'm making yeah, music i can't so. stand that I'm, I'm i'm all about vibe all right i already know this answer but favorite number number three yes sir me too <laughs> is the key um zodi okay we know your sun sign scorpio i'm gonna get your chart I'm going to get you lined out with your blueprint, man. Um, what was the first album or like CD or tape uh, you got? Um, That's tough. The first one I can really remember like delving into, like really studying a lot was um, Bob Marley, Rastaman Vibration. Had it on a cassette. This was like, I think you were still in... Now we had just moved from Trinidad back to the U.S. Um, yeah, and I just had a little cassette. I'll just put it in and just keep playing it. <laughs> and I didn't even know why or like what really was resonating. Now that I'm older and I've like had a chance to really study Bob Marley, both philosophically as well as musically, I understand why so much of his music resonated. But that was one of the first albums I would say like I really like know knew all the words to knew like all the little licks, all of his little riffs like as a kid, you know, so I would say that's, that's one of the Rastamine vibration by Marley. Amazing. And that speaks to kind of how the universality of music as a language, because like even kid, if it can reach kids and they don't even know what it's being talked about and have a positive effect like that, that's when you know you got some good, good stuff. Um, okay, that's a great answer. Uh, so that'd be your most influential, well, most influential song or album, would you say that album? Or what's what would be the song? Most influential, I wouldn't. That's really impossible to say. But I'll just name a few things that come to mind. Yeah. Um, a Love Supreme um, by John Coltrane. Mm. Uh, kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Mm. Um, a lot of stuff by Bill Evans. A lot of stuff by Jay-Z, Kanye West. Uh, yeah, Nat King Cole. I, I have that. a lot of weird, like just different <laughs> no, from all over the place. But um, yeah, I'm actually revisiting a lot. Like I just had like a whole 
like live uh, session of a Bill Evans on YouTube. Um, Cause man, there's a lot to, to grab he's, out of there, man. Yeah. He's, he was on another level for sure. All right. Pac or Biggie? Uh, Pac. Okay. Okay. Hot or cold? Hot. Um, if you had to pick a decade to live in over the last like hundred years, which which one and why? Seventies. Uh, just because I think it was one of it was like the last period of like human enlightenment in a sense. Um, even though I think some of it was superficial, I think there were a lot of meaningful meaningful ways in which society was driven forward. Um, you know, coming out of World War II, coming out of you know some of the things that were happening. So I think the seventies like the anti-Vietnam War, all the things that were happening in the 60s with the civil rights movement. So yeah, 70s, I would say. And then the music, like soul music. Yeah. It's like that music is going to last forever, you know what I mean? So Amen. yeah, 70s. Yeah, I agree. Super catalytic decade. Do you have any special, extraordinary talents besides music? Um, or what's something that people don't know about you? I definitely do not have an extraordinary talent at this, but I played tennis in college. Um, and I lost a lot, but I did win sometimes. I think now I like, now I'm probably just a little bit better than the average, average. That's person. a fun game and it's great to keep you it's in a shape. fun game that keeps you in shape. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to play like, you know, at the college level and get that experience. But. Awesome, man. Um, a couple more, one word and okay. Don't, don't think, you know, but one word. To describe you, what would it be? Energy. Ooh. What about the second word? <laughs> smart was going to be the other word. Okay. Smart energy. I love that. I, I've, I think it's true, too. Okay. So this is like this is like the last one. I don't know if you've heard of like Dharma in the East or like the orlog of the Nordic tradition in the West, it's like your your purpose, your higher purpose, your primary aim. Like, what is like the essence of your nature and like purpose in this life? Do you feel that you've uh, at least? How do you see see yourself now? Yeah. Um, when it comes to that, it's funny because the first phrase that came to my mind was actually the phrase that was given to me when I turned 13, which is repair of the breach. And what that means, I think, has changed over time to some extent. But really, I'm here to uh, serve as a conduit to connect people back to, to the original truth, connect them back to a knowledge of, of who we are and, and how we can be empowered to change things that are here. Amazing, man. I love that. And I feel that. And I think that's the truth. And I don't want to keep you so, man, we're going to have to do it again. I'll, I'll come definitely, more I'll definitely down for that, man. We can get deeper because um, my, my slogans for the podcast is expand your mind and deepen your perspective. Oh, yeah, we can definitely, Alternative. we can go a lot deeper for sure and expand a lot wider. So, yeah, this, so is, a good, this is a good primer, though. But, man, thank you so much for your time and, and hanging out, man. Uh, I feel a lot better. Um, today now after this conversation and uh, the feelings mutual man i'm glad we were able to connect and um yeah man i, I appreciate you know all, all the support of 
of the music and and the mission and yeah look forward to coming back on and, and getting into it yeah man and people out there listening uh i'll make sure to link all the stuff you need to see of aza and how to find him how to reach him and follow him and i highly recommend it if you're like me looking for that real real in music and and lyricism and and just a fresh perspective man that is much needed at these times and uh i'll be i'll be staying in touch man hopefully we uh keep creating together uh down the road and we will speak again definitely bro thank you so much man have a good rest of the night Thank you.